Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we're sitting down with Canadian country musician Annika. Now, before launching her solo career in 2021, she spent many years as one half of the country duo Leaving Thomas. Now, after the band played their final show in January of 2020, she spent the year really figuring out who she wanted to be as an artist. She left social media, she connected with friends to write and produce the music, and in 2021, she has really kick-started things with her latest single being Encore, featuring none other than Canadian country superstar Brett Kissel. Please enjoy our conversation with Annika. What has it been, two and a half months as a mom now? Yes, I was going to say Levi is 12 weeks today. He'll be three months on the 12th. So I am, I'm figuring out the schedule, kind of getting into a routine. And um, there's a lot of nap time means work time. So when people say sleep when the baby sleeps, they're not living the life of an artist because there's a lot to do with the baby sleeping. <laughs> exactly. And with that lifestyle, I heard you talk about the busyness of it and sort of the perception within the industry almost that moms can't do it because they're too busy. Yeah, I think definitely when a lot of people talk about moms that are, you know, female artists, they're all often referring to people like Maren Morris or Carrie Underwood, people that are very established. And I think as much as they say there's, you know, working women in country, uh, mothers in country, a lot of the time they have to be really big before they feel comfortable enough to start having kids. So I, I feel like I'm one of the few people who are launching a career while also having a baby. So um, it's one of those things where I have really loved both parts of it because it allows me to create balance. It forces me to have balance on both the career side as well as the motherhood side. So it is busy, but I think it's it's been really good for me. And how important was it to start that solo career first and not necessarily say, let's have the kid first and then start the solo career. How important was it to kick that off and get it moving? Yeah. Well, I think what ended up happening for me was I learned that it's very difficult to time when you have children. Right. Like I know some people can say, we want to have the baby in September. So let's, you know, looking at my clock, we should start figuring this out, you know, nine months prior. But for me, um, we had had a quite, it was a long time trying to get pregnant. And I just realized basically life doesn't stop while you're trying life continues to go just like it will continue going after you have the kid. So you have to do what you, what you can with the information you have at the time. So when I originally recorded the record, um, I was not pregnant, did not have plans on uh, getting pregnant in the next six months, uh, because it had taken us so long. And then it happened. And I remember saying to Spencer, my husband, you know, we'll wait to release the album when COVID is over. Like, this will be perfect. We'll have the baby. COVID will be done. It'll all go in this perfect sequ sequential plan. And of course, here we are, still COVID times. Um, and I released I released the song in May and basically did a bunch of prep work knowing I'd give birth in July. So I love that the world we live in allows us to do that. Like, it's just been amazing because I, I really did get to experience that first month 
just focused on, on the baby because I had done all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, now here we are still in the throes of the second single and life keeps moving and keeps going and we just uh, take it as it comes. Exactly. And before we get too deep into the new material, I love to follow the journey of a musician. So let's go back. Speaking about kids, you are the youngest of five in your Correct. family. And so what did that mean for you? I think it meant from what I know of you so far, that you were the outgoing one. You were the one that had to jump up and down to get attention because there were four more in front of you. Yeah, I also say that's why I have such a loud speaking voice is I'm just used to yelling over four other siblings. So <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the classic youngest child, always wanted to be on stage, always performing. Um, and I come from a very musical family. So um, when we were each of each kid when we were four we started playing a stringed instrument as well as the piano so i played the violin for 13 years and i played piano for 16 years doing the classical route and um so that's where my they used to joke and call us like the von traps because we would play in a quintet together well i was gonna ask you about uncool talk about that i was wondering if there because i heard you talk about a quintet but i didn't know if you were joking or if that actually happened it was real. We were called the Hollyburn Quintet and my dad was the director and we would play at, you know, weddings, funerals, things like that. And, uh, I mean, I just remember even in our, our, um, our van, we had like cubbies for each instrument. Cause we, in our family, we had two cellists, two violinists and one violist. So it was, it was very busy with lots of lessons and orchestra. And then I did fiddling because I wanted to get crazy and, <laughs> and not just do classical. So very musical family and singing choirs, all that kind of stuff. But I've always said I was the only one in our family that really wanted to be a star. I wanted to be on Broadway and um, everyone else in my family was happy to be in the background, but I wanted to be on stage and, um, uh, so I really, I was really passionate about musical theater and realized pretty quickly on um, that my voice is quite low and I have the range of a tenor instead of a classic soprano. So I was never going to be a leading lady on Broadway. And I started writing my own songs because I needed to write my own music that fit my voice. Okay. So I started writing when I was about uh, 13 or 14, I would actually write songs to get out of school projects. Cause I hated doing posters or stuff like that. I'd say, Can I just write a song about this instead. And, uh, and then 16 was when I did Canadian Idol, which was right, kind of yes. the first, okay, I'm going to try to do, do something real here. And that was a great experience because it showed me, I definitely want to be an artist and I'm definitely not ready yet I think I was you know thrown into this into this uh you know I was living in Toronto for the summer and all these live performances and looking back of course I cringe at all of them but I, I definitely learned I was I was passionate about music but I had a ways to go and so I went to university and studied accounting got my degree in that so I know I just got way cooler now in how, your mind. Did, how did that work because like you talk about the music in your family but both your parents they seem like more of the straight and narrow yes. sort of analytical people now, but back then were they musical or did they just want the kids to be musical? They are both. My parents were musical. Like my dad plays the clarinet. He sings in the Calgary Philharmonic, um, but very um, 
my dad specifically was very realistic about my chances as an artist. You know, it was like, you're never going to make any money at that. I think you're very talented, but this is something that you have no control over. And, um, and so jokingly, basically my mom was the kind of mom that was my biggest cheerleader. She would tell me I was going to be a star. And then my dad was the one that always kept me humble by saying, <laughs> this probably isn't going to happen for you. So it was actually a really good balance because I think from the ages of 17 to 21, when I was going to university, I was still doing shows. I was still taking voice lessons, doing all that outside of school. And then I graduated with a degree, which you know, some people are against getting a backup degree, but I felt that by getting the backup degree, I could now be completely fearless, right? Because I have something to fall back on if I needed it. Right. And so I gave myself a year to get a job on a cruise ship as a panel bar entertainer because I love to travel and that's what I wanted to do. And again, I asked my dad if he thought I would get hired because he they had been on many cruises and he said, no, like, I think you're really good, but I don't think they're going to hire a 21-year-old blonde girl from Canada to be the panel bar entertainer. And I got hired in two weeks and went to Alaska and spent the next four years doing that. So it's very weird. It's now been, uh, you know, 10 years and I still have to like pinch myself to say like, oh yeah, I guess I am a, a professional singer, songwriter, performer, which is still amazing to me. So that's my background. And all the way along, like even when you were writing, were you writing sort of in the country music vein of that storytelling or what did your writing look like? So I didn't start co-writing until Brighton and I got together as Leaving Thomas. And so that was when I was, you know, 22. I had always written by myself very much as a therapeutic thing. It was never as a commercial thing, uh, but I loved country music growing up. And uh, I... I really fell into country music because of Brighton. We were this right. duo and we just kind of had this natural uh, welcoming from country music that uh, took our music and said, we love this. So I fell in love with country music again as a writer and as a performer, partly because country music is so broad now that I would always say I'm on the fringes of country because um, <laughs> it's not like, you know, on, on cruise ships, I was singing Patsy Cline. I was singing like the classics. And I'm like, this isn't classic country. Um, but you're exactly right. It's the songwriting. It's the storytelling. That's what I love about it. And that's what I think through Leaving Thomas, as well as now this album is always consistent, is that storytelling aspect. And as far as Leaving Thomas, before that really got going, did you have some sort of solo career? Because I saw posts back from like, the 20, 2013 of playing New York City. Yes. So did you have sort of a solo career going before leaving Thomas? Yes, I did. I was doing um, not country. It was very uh, singer songwriter. I was playing the piano at all my shows. And uh, I, uh, I basically kind of got into the whole piano bar entertainer thing, right? From working on cruise ships. What was great about the ships I worked on was they let me sing my own songs in addition to every, you know, Elton John cover, every, you know, singing Sweet Caroline every week. I got to do my own songs, which was great. So I kind of developed a fan base through cruise ships that was all around the world, which was really cool. I had guests come visit me from, or come to concerts from all around the world. And, um, and it was more of a pop, a pop project. And, uh, that's actually how I originally got together with Brighton after I remember he sang background vocals for me at one of my shows. Oh, and okay. 
And then we did another show where we just ended up jamming together and we kept on saying, this is so much fun. We should do this together. So yeah, I did have my own solo thing, but that's why it's this weird relaunch now where I'm kind of, I'm almost 10 years older and um, trying to reestablish myself, even though, yeah, I've been doing this for for quite a few, few years now. And throughout your time with leaving Thomas, what were your feelings all the way throughout that? Like, because you were never really into country when you got into that, was it ever a long-term thing for you or was it always just this thing that was happening for the moment? No, I was, I was committed to leaving Thomas because my big um, mantra with music is if something's working, just follow it. Like, you know, sometimes we spend so much time trying to make one thing work when something else could naturally work on its own. And that's what leaving Thomas was. It was like a snowball. It just, you know, we released a song by ourselves. Then we got signed with the label. Then we had CCMA nominations and festival bookings. And, you know, I was having so much fun. I was getting to write my own songs. Um, We were getting to work with the producers and musicians we loved. I mean, it was awesome. Um, And so I was happy to be in country because country music let us really do our own thing. They weren't trying to put us in a box. And so, um, as what happens with music though, is that life continues on and Brighton, my, my partner was also starting another business that he, that really was his passion. And he decided in, uh, 2019 that he wanted to pursue that. And I think as a friend, after, you know, experiencing the four years with him, you just want to support your friend at the end of the day. So of course I was bummed because I had so much fun doing leaving Thomas, but it was kind of a blessing in disguise in that we um, did our final farewell show January of 2020. So right before COVID hit, then I kind of got this year to myself to write and figure out what I wanted to do because there was no pressure to, you know, come out with something on my own. So I didn't, my, my journey to where I am now has been kind of a roller coaster ride and I certainly miss my buddy and I miss being a duo sometimes, but there's also, um, you know, it's a new phase for me. And I think even as a 30 year old compared to being a 24 year old, I'm just in a different, different place in life too. Right. And at the end of, or at the end of 2019, in October of 2019, you had a song that was part of the Unbridled Apparel campaign, yes. and it was much poppier. And so when Leaving Thomas was finished, did you know which way you wanted to go if you wanted to go back the pop route or if you wanted to continue the country route? No, I, absolutely not. I think it's so hard because I love so many different genres of music and I love writing different genres of music, which is why as a writer, um, the op- the opportunity to create songs for brands or for sync placements is so exciting because you can write a really poppy song, but that's not necessarily who I am as an artist. So when I was approached to write this song, I mean, literally they said it just needs to have the hook unbridled, which is a pretty weird title to like, you know, and I thought, well, this will be a challenge. Like, we'll see what, what comes out of it. And after looking at the clothing and what the brand's vibe was, it's like, this has to be something pop and upbeat. And so because I wasn't constrained about, you know, this being my solo project, this was just a a kind of one-off opportunity. I went wild with it and did something really different, really fun, and probably something I'll never do again. Um, But it was, it was definitely a nice year to explore, you know, to figure out what I really wanted to do. And um, I love writing that kind of music, but I wouldn't, you know, want to do a show 
performing those songs. Those <laughs> right. are more just like fun to record and and yeah. And also in 2019, I saw that you were able to perform Mother in front of Jan Arden yes. at an event. Now, throughout this career, like you say, things just turn into things. And it's almost like you had this dream when you were young and things have just sort of snowballed. And so when events like that happen, are you able to sort of sit back and realize what's going on? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think there's a... Uh... Uh, it's very easy to get caught in the trap of always looking for the next thing. How do I yeah. get bigger? How do I get more followers? How do I, and um, maybe it's, you know, motherhood or I don't know what it is, but you just, the name of my album is called stand still because in the last three years, it's been very important for me to appreciate what is happening in the current moment in the present and really, you know, standing still in that, instead of always focusing on the future. And, um, and so that was a perfect moment. I have uh, total memories, um, like a very visceral memory of standing on stage, hearing me singing and um, she was listening. And then there was an artist like uh, drawing at the same time. And it was in this beautiful auditorium. I mean, it was, it was a, a career highlight for sure. And one of those things that you can't really dream up, you know, it was just awesome. And so throughout 2020, you basically went off, off grid. As far as off grid goes, you left social yes. media for the year. How important was that? And like, how re-energizing was that coming into this new project? Yeah, I think honestly, social media is such a double-edged sword. Like it's, it's one of these things that can it is a necessary evil in our industry, I feel. But at the time of 2020, it was great because I wasn't really working on a particular project. And um, so I didn't need it for business purposes. And I thought, why am I on this? I'm spending so much time. Like that was when I got on TikTok and I was, you know, buried in the dark hole of TikTok for hours. And I just, I couldn't understand how hours would go by and I had done nothing. So, um, part of my personality is it had to be cold Turkey. It was like, I'm off, deleted the app, deleted everything. And I remember when I was talking with my manager about this, you know, upcoming album and she said, okay, well, like, what are we gonna do about social media? You have to get back on there. And, um, and so I've really created my own boundaries with it in terms of what I choose to share, how often I'm on it. And I still, um, I still end up deleting the app probably once a month. Um, which then makes it very difficult to like, especially when I'm promoting something, it's annoying, but I have to go like to the website and do it, which right. just creates that extra step. But even um, I'm, I definitely am in favor of people that don't need to be on it. It can be very uh, good for the soul to just get off it and, and not feel like you have to document everything. And you know, what came out of that year was I started digital scrapbooking, right? Cause I would take these pictures and we don't really print photos anymore. Right. Yeah. So, um, I started doing scrapbooks and that gave me purpose for the photos that I took because when you weren't posting them, it was kind of like, I stopped taking pictures and then I was sad about that. So I did find another way to, uh, to do some, some stuff with pictures that I take to make the memories last. That's awesome. And within that year and preparing for the new project and writing. Now I know 
with leaving Thomas, you did trips down to Nashville. You wrote with people in Nashville, but it felt like for this record, for your solo material, you really stuck to a core group of friends to write this material. And I don't know if it was all the material, but how important was that to stick with that core group? I think co-writing is 90% feeling comfortable with the people that you're with and 10% the individual skills of every writer. I think so much of what makes a good song is having the comfortability to throw ideas against the wall and not feel like an idiot if it's, you know, not well received. Um, Nashville has a specific energy about it. You know, Brighton and I would go down there and we would write two songs a day for, you know, two weeks and come back with all these songs and it was great. Um, but, and, you know, of course in Nashville, they can crank out a song in two hours. It's like, yeah. these are, these are experts. And it was great because I got to be around amazing, heavy hitting writers and challenge myself in terms of my efficiency as a writer. But, um, I wrote a lot of these songs with my husband, uh, who's also my producer and one of my very good friends, Aaron, and then our friend, Chris, who lives in Nashville, but zoomed would zoom in for, um, for these rights. And I think because this album is so personal and a lot of it is about my own life story, I just wanted to write with people that made me feel great um, about myself and, and uh, it was a safe space to share. But then also, um, you know, Chris is a great lyricist. Aaron is a guitar player with great riffs. I'm kind of a melody person. That's kind of my forte. And then of course, Spencer being a producer has a great all around view of things as well as you know he's a great editor he can he's listened to so many songs come through his studio doors that um I think we were we just happened to be a group of four that each bring very unique talents and uh I'm like if it ain't broke don't fix it I'm not going to try to write with 50 different people when um I love the people that I write with not to say that you shouldn't continue to explore but when you find something that works it just uh it made it really easy during the pandemic when we couldn't go back and forth to Nashville to still get really quality songs. Right. Now, Spencer is your husband. He is also your producer, your mixer, your recording engineer, your drummer, your musical director, <laughs> and your co-writer. And mm. you met him during the Leaving Thomas days because he produced yes. all the material back then. And so that journey that you've taken with him, how important has that been? Do you think you would have had the courage to jump out on this solo project if you didn't have him behind you? Absolutely not. He he is my biggest encourager. And also he, it's like so great being married to someone who's in the industry and uh, knows all of the processes that I'm going through, but isn't an artist himself. It's amazing. Um, he, he was the one that was writing all these songs with me and then said, you know, we can't wait until COVID is over. We have to release these songs. Like we need to do something with this. And um, I mean, also it's very rare that someone has the same person as their producer, mixer, drummer, uh, songwriter. He sees all, all the different phases of the song. So I feel like other than yourself, usually nobody else kind of has a grasp on the big picture. Whereas I have someone that actually has that. And I think being part of a duo before and then going to this career, it's been, it's been a nice transition because I still have someone else that I can, you know, collaborate with and vent to about things and strategize with. And, um, that's been a huge blessing. And, um, 
He has always, because he produced my first record even before leaving Thomas. So he's always had faith in me as an artist. He's always believed in me. Um, and then it was years and years and years. And once we finally got together, it was like, oh, this is honestly amazing to have someone as passionate about your career as you are, who's not only your spouse, but also so talented in that realm. So that's been, I do not think I would be where I am without him. Actually, I know that. So, yeah. And you talk about his encouragement to put out this music. Now, how long did it take you to sort of wrap your head around it as an artist that you're creating this body of work, but at the end of the day, you're not going to put it out as a body of work. Do you have to wrap no. your mind around that a little bit? Yes. It, it, it's really frustrating the way music works these days. There are great parts about it. You know, the fact that you as an independent artist can, can share your music with the world could not have happened 20 years ago without a big label. So that's amazing. The hard part about it is I hate living in a singles world. It's really hard for me because I, when I think of my favorite artists, I think of their best albums. You know, I don't think of their best song. It's always an album. And so I knew I didn't want to release an EP or like three songs or whatever. I had these 14 songs, but I thought, well, I can't release them all at once because it's just not realistic. But there's going to be a bunch of songs that never get heard. So that's why we came up with this concept of releasing these twingles, two songs every few months so that if you hear a song by me and you really love it and you go to my Spotify, there's not just that one song. There's at least, now there's four songs. So people can um, really choose to invest in me as an artist if they want um, or they can just get the one song and, and be done with it. But it is hard because, and that's part of my goal to get, um, the whole album will be released in 2022. So all the songs okay. will be out by then, partly because the, the body of work is so reflective of my life now. I don't want to release it, you know, over the course of five years, because I'm sure by the time five years comes, I'll have another whack of songs that, you know, have, uh, have meaning to me then. So it is difficult trying to navigate this new industry while also, um, you know, wanting to, to present a body of work as a body of work instead of 14 separate little, little pieces. Yeah, exactly. And the latest single is Encore featuring yes. Brett Kissel. Now, what did it mean as an independent artist to have an artist like that come onto a track? Well, that's one of those pinch myself moments. I, I honestly asked Brett to do it thinking that he would not have the time or interest. I know that he's always, he's always been very supportive of me. So I knew he wouldn't, you know, reject me in a mean way, but I thought, you know what, let's swing for the fences. I'll ask him worst thing he does is says no, and he'd be flattered and, you know, we can all laugh about it, but he responded uh, within 10 minutes to my email with, you know, just an enthusiastic yes and uh, loved the song. And I think it's it's nice for him because it's a song that showcases a different side of him and his voice. I think he sounds amazing on it. And um, I think our voices were just meant to do a duet together. And that was the when I heard when like when we finished that song. I was just always imagining Brett and I doing it and I just can't believe it actually happened. It's still amazing to me. And did I read that during that, write? You weren't even writing that song for you. You were writing it for a male, for a male artist. Song. Yeah. And that was the idea was we thought like, maybe we can pitch it to Brett Kissel at some point, you know? Um, and then often what happens with me in, in writing sessions when we're writing for other people or not other people specifically, but let's say we're not writing for me. Right. I leave and I'm, I'm in love with the song. And I'm like, 
well, I want to record this song, but that second verse is very clearly like a man, a man singing it. And it had this, this intimate, like sexiness that I thought it would be nice to hear a man sing it. And then I thought, oh my goodness, we could totally do it as a duet, but that's why I wanted to keep it still very intimate sounding. And I think it actually is more romantic now that it's a duet instead of just one person singing. So it all worked out the way it should, which is, I believe that's what happens to songs. They go on their own journeys, but they always end up where they're supposed to be. Right. And now the first single that you released, I really don't want to, that song has been released to Canadian radio and it's, it's doing quite well. And so what is that like coming into this and not knowing what's going to happen and then having your single be able to actually do something right away? Yeah, I think uh, my manager often laughs at me because I'm opposite of a lot of artists and that I have zero expectations. I always expect the worst. Like, <laughs> I'm going to release this song. It's going to get 100 listens and that's all it's ever going to be. And um, I generally, I don't want to say I have a negative attitude about it, but I just keep my expectations low so that I'm never disappointed. And um, I really don't want to, we release that. I mean, that song is a five minute song originally. It's not really, uh, certainly not a country Canadian, uh, country radio, you know, uh, typical song. It's right. not very fast. It's yeah, there's lots going on. Um, but it, uh, it was the iHeart. I got chosen as the iHeart radio star, future radio star. And, uh, so it got played on stations across the country and then other stations picked it up. And I'm just always so overwhelmed by people that, choose to invest in me as an artist and the music that I'm getting out there because it, they don't have to, it's something that they could just, you know, it gets on their desk and they move on to the next thing. And so I've been completely surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised. I remember I was giving birth. I was in labor and Spencer said, I really don't want to just crack the top 40. I mean, it was insane. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm having a baby today and my song went top 40 and I have no label support. You know, I'm doing all this independently. So, and to be a female on the radio, like just all these things um, were happening where I felt um, just pretty empowered that day. I was like, okay, things have worked out pretty well. So I, um, I've been loving to see, like with Encore, it got playlisted a bunch on uh, the different DSPs. And so to see the reaction to not only my fans, but also Brett's fans has been very cool too. And you talk about the expectations and not coming into this project with any expectations. Now, it could be very different. You could come into this project saying, look at what I've done in the past. I was already an established artist. Look at me. I have this ego. And yeah. so has it been really important for you to leave that behind and come into this with the mindset of a new artist? Yes, I believe fans don't owe me anything. Audiences don't owe me anything. It is my job to show up and entertain. And if that's for an audience of 25 people, I will do just, a, I will do the same job as I would for, you know, a stadium. I think you, I have learned with music that you cannot predict what's going to work, what's not going to work. You have no crystal ball. You don't know how it's going to go. So the best thing is to make something that fulfills you and gives you creative joy. And, um, and share it with the world. And if they, if they receive it in a way that, uh, you know, is seen as success by the industry, great. If not, you've created something that nobody else has and it's forever stuck in time. Like that's, what's so amazing about music is that 30 years from now, my son can listen to a song that I wrote 
you know, while I was pregnant with him. And that's just so cool. So um, I'm all about writing songs that are authentic to me and what I'm going through at that time. So that it's like this, this cool creative time capsule. And hey, if the rest of the world doesn't like it, who cares? Of course, I'm still grateful when they do like it. But <laughs> yeah, still, of course. you don't want to create <laughs> for that purpose. And so with the way things are looking right now, you're releasing two singles at a time. So will you be releasing every song off the album before the album? Or are you going to hold back some tracks that people can look forward to on the album? We are holding back a few tracks. And that's why when the, the full album comes out, it'll be called the deluxe album. And there will be some surprises on there. So uh, yeah, it'll be really fun to, to finally get all the songs out there. But in the meantime, we'll keep giving you a little uh, a few little tastes here and there. And is it a weird time because you have this album ready to go? And so obviously you want to start looking towards the future and your next project, but until you release this album, and then obviously you're going to want to promote the album. So do you kind of have to hold off on looking towards the future and what might be next? Yeah, I think what's really, sometimes we forget with, with the artist. Uh, the job of an artist, so much of it is promotion after you get to do all the fun, creative stuff. So I think even talking to a lot of my writer friends, some people can write, you know, all the time, every day for whatever project. I am very project focused. So I was in a writing phase. We do all the writing. Then we do all the recording. Then we do all the mixing and mastering. And now I am in promotion and usually performance phase. Unfortunately, yeah. with COVID, not a ton of performing. Um, but it, it is hard for me to write, let's say, music for the next project when I am so focused on what I'm doing now. The good thing is, you know, focusing on the promotion of this album as well as motherhood keeps me busy enough that I don't really have time to be like thinking of the next thing. And I've also learned that how an audience reacts or my experience once the album is released might change where I want to go or what I want to do or who I want to work with. Or, you know, um, I'm open so right now I still write, you know, uh, probably a few times a month, often for other, other people or their projects. But um, I, I already have probably another 10 songs ready to go in addition to the 14 songs on this album. So I'm, I am trying to slow, slow down a bit and um, just be present with the, the phase I'm in of this project. That's awesome. And with how busy you are, it's funny when I look back at, you know, you being the youngest of five kids and always being the energetic one and the one who wants yes. to be on stage. And then looking at your past social media and just how open you are. I, when I was doing the research, I thought, is she going to do acting in the future? <laughs> and then I actually saw that you have sort of, you've done some voice acting in the past. Yep. And so I was yep. wondering where that fits. If you're, if that's something you want to do in the future. I, I would love to be an actress. I, that's how I got started. I was in musicals. And so, um, I've done over 40 shows. I love being character. I love being a character, um, whether it's voice acting or theater acting or film acting. I think what happened to me, um, cause I also studied drama in university. Oh, okay. Um, that was my other, um, I didn't end up getting the degree in it, but I took all the classes. So love drama, love that. And my husband is always like, you're, you're such an actress. Like that's going to be somewhere on the horizon. And um, what's difficult about acting for me, what I found difficult is that you have very little control over 
your own opportunities. So, you know, if you go audition for a film and you don't get it, you can't say, oh, I'm just gonna, I mean, I don't wanna do a film. I don't wanna be a director of a film. Whereas with music, you can say, I'm gonna do my own show. I'm gonna write my own music. I'm going to record videos and share them on YouTube. Whereas acting, I found a bit limiting in that way. Um, but I, I hope that acting is somewhere in the future with, you know, whatever comes to me. Uh, it seems that throughout my life, things have come at the right time and when they're supposed to be there. I think acting, my experience in acting helps me be a better musical performer. I think I have a respect for the audience that some singer songwriters don't because they write a lot for themselves, whereas I love to entertain. And I think that comes from a lot of my acting experience. And um, maybe that is somewhere in the future. I, I think that would be fun to do. I just don't have room for it on my plate right now, <laughs> but if the right opportunity came along, I would love that too. That is awesome. Well, for now, Encore and Love Looks Like You are the two yes. newest singles that people can check out on Spotify. Do you have a release schedule for the next two yet? Not a specific date, but it'll be in the next, it'll be before the end of 2021. So by the end of 2021, you'll have six songs there on Spotify to listen to your heart's content. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Annika for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out all of her music wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm -hmm.